everyone. Welcome to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. This is Michael with CatholicExchange.com. Here is Ever to talk with you through the crisis we're currently in. And to talk us through that, I wanted to invite on here a fantastic author, theologian, who is working with one of my favorite Catholic nonprofits, Endow, which has been offering groups and study guides. And they're especially coming up with some ideas while you're at home and trying to still work on your spirituality. So please... Welcome, Simone Rizcala. Uh, Simone, as I said, is a theologian, and it's delightful to have her here to talk about Endow. And also, we're probably going to talk about our favorite German theologian. So, Simone, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Michael. I'm very happy to be here with you. I am, too. And so we talked a little bit about this uh, before we started recording. I wanted to ask, what's Endow uh, doing to help through this crisis where many of us, I know my town and whole state now is shelter in place. Uh, well, how are you all responding? Well, we have mobilized fairly quickly and have just launched our inaugural online endow study through Zoom. So we Mm -hmm. are doing a week online study of our newest endow study on uh, John Paul II's apostolic letter on the Holy Rosary. And providentially, we launched it on the Feast of the Annunciation yesterday. Oh, that was especially um, a gift to us that on the day where we celebrate the first rosary being uttered, mm-hmm. that we our first uh, study on the rosary with all of our endowed ladies. We were so pleased with the participation and the attendance. Oh, I'm sure. And so you said you're going to be covering the rosary. What made you guys want to pick uh, John Paul II and the rosary? Well, we chose it because it's our our newest uh, study that we launched Mm -hmm. uh, just earlier this year. But also, so we want an opportunity to do it together as a team and also with with our endowed women out there. But also the rosary is such a powerful prayer. It's changed the course of history Mm -hmm. for any student of church history. So we, we especially want to promote and grow the devotion to the rosary and also study John Paul II's uh, writings on it because, as he said, it was his favorite prayer. And it's certainly one of our favorites. We haven't, we often uh, like to call it the most powerful spiritual weapon here. Exactly. What can the rosary, I don't want to talk about it in a utilitarian way because it's absolutely not just that, but uh, what are some of the spiritual benefits though of praying a rosary, especially in these times of isolations? Well, I think I just want to echo um, mm-hmm. Father Peyton and Fulton Sheen that Jesus is, and which is funny because in their time, they used media to promote mm-hmm. the rosary as a devotion as well. So we definitely feel like they're spiritual daughters and that we're also using media now, especially because yes. of the quarantine to promote this ever ancient, ever new uh, devotion of the rosary. And so I think that, you know, Mary is the method that the Holy Spirit uses and that Jesus uses. And as, as she said, do whatever he tells you. We want to turn to mm-hmm. Mary to help us follow God's will in these kind of uncertain and stressful times. <sighs> Absolutely. Uh, to take it to the very bare bone basics with the rosary, what has been your experience in starting to pray the rosary regularly? I know for some of us, especially if you have a, the attention span of a goldfish like I do, it can be really hard to start. but What's been your advice in that regard? I think for me, there my relationship with the rosary, you know, has been 
so foundational. It's very grounding. My actual experience mm-hmm. personally is very grounding. It, it feels like holding Mary's hand. Even sometimes when I fall asleep, just holding the rosary in my hand, I feel safer because I know Mary is with me and rooting for me and, and accompanying me. Um, but I think also the fact that whatever we're experiencing with this coronavirus and, and hard times existed before and will certainly exist after, there's nothing that we've experienced that Our Lady and St. Joseph and Jesus haven't experienced. So they mm-hmm. going through the meditations of the rosary is a way to really get closer in relationship to the Holy Family because they certainly went through that anxious and stressful and uncertain time pretty much their whole lives. So, um, yeah, it just, it's just, it's a great way to feel like the God man is, is with us and, and to be comforted and to grow in closer friendship in that way. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's especially important for, uh, for many of us who might have a block in our head for whatever reason to imagine uh, what God the Father might or God the Son might look like. Mary's a very helpful bridge to understanding that. And that's been my experience to anyone who's thinking about starting the rosary. It's very exactly. powerful in that regard. Exactly. And Michael, you, I, I, I might know this about you. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Sure. But you, you love Chesterton. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes, I do. He's uh, one of my, I like to say he's my unofficial patron saint. So He's yes. That's lovely because, uh, you know, it just as you were speaking now, I was thinking about how Chesterton said, if anything's worth doing, it's worth doing badly. And I think yes. that definitely also applies to the rosary. That <laughs> it's, even, a, even, a, even a distracted, quote, bad rosary is better than no rosary at all. And that can be a hard thing because I think sometimes we're so caught up in our own perfectionism and thinking, well, it has to be right the yeah. first time or it's not worth doing. And it's like that. Uh, nope. <laughs> grace is still come yeah and I, I actually remember like trying to it was a christian musician who was quoting chesterton's very line of anything worth doing is worth doing badly and in his interpretation he used the example of cooking you're not going to be a famous four-star chef you're not gordon ramsay but you can learn to make food and really get joy from it in a way that exactly, yeah. exactly. we could be like little children holding mary's hand even if we wander off and come back mentally you know that that we're still accompanying she's still accompanying us and we're still accompanying her i guess uh, that's another aspect of trying to start praying the rosary some people might say in this i'm always not sure quite what to say in this regard but oh i don't feel like i'm growing close to mary i feel like i'm just repeating words i don't feel like i'm getting over that peak to really get to know who i'm praying to and praying for uh, what do you say in that regard, usually? Mm-hmm. Well, I would say, first of all, um, prayer in its highest form doesn't actually necessarily have anything to mm-hmm. do with your feelings. Uh, Jesus himself, in his most conforming moment of, you know, your will, mm-hmm. Lord, not my will, certainly felt abandoned when he said on the cross, you know, why have you forsaken me? So actually, our our prayers are more are closer to God's heart when we don't feel like it, but when we're faithful. And, you know, I had this experience of mm-hmm. spiritual dryness a number of years ago where actually meditating on the sorrowful mysteries really helped me understand that in this feeling of abandonment and forsakenness by God, 
I, I was happy in a paradoxical way because I felt like, wow, Jesus and I can become closer friends now because I'm more closely experiencing this, this experience of abandonment that and not to compare mine, obviously with his on the cross. But I, I felt like it, even if I'm experiencing less than an ounce of how, of the abandonment that he felt that, that I could be closer friends with Jesus because now I can share in his suffering mm-hmm. in a way that I hadn't before. And- uh, there's a phrase you use that I love that definitely points to Fulton Sheen especially, but an idea of friendship with Jesus and Mary. Can you tell us uh, what that means? Well, I can tell you what it means for me. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think I think um, at the Please. end of the day, yes, spiritual absolutely. poverty, the first beatitude to be poor in spirit, is this humility and this dependence and this understanding that mm-hmm. in, in reality, we are children. Uh, and children of God. And no matter how worldly we are and impressive we might be um, in a successful worldly kind of way, at the end of the day, I'm very much in need of and dependent on God for everything, my every breath, my every every grace, every gift. And I think that's another like silver lining of the coronavirus is our, is our not to glamorize it or romanticize it, but that we I think we truly are existentially entering into that idea of like, wow, everything mm-hmm. that I've had in my life or I'm given in my life is truly, truly a gift. And so being in relationship with Mary for me is to, is to understand myself as her daughter and to be in relationship with Jesus is, you know, at the end of the day, Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. So at the end of the day, I really want to be a friend of Jesus regardless of how difficult my mm-hmm. circumstances are. If I'm only friends with him when times are good, then I'm not really that good of a friend, but I want to be a friend to him and trust him as a friend, even when things are actually really dark. That's a great way to, to sum that up. And uh, moving on to something else we can be doing during this crisis, really. Uh, for anyone who is at home under social distancing, whatever, uh, do you have recommended spiritual reading I'm of so what people can start that, Michael, because, within these um, times of solitude? We were talking about our, our mutual love of, of, of Joseph Ratzinger, Pope Benedict XVI. And a long, long time ago, I read, probably about 13 years ago, yeah. I read a book of his called Behold the Purest One. And uh, it's a great book for Lent. It's a great book for Holy Week. Hmm. And... I, the thing that the biggest takeaway from that book for me, the thing that I remember about it uh, was, was the section where he talks about abstaining from the Eucharist as a, as an active, as a spiritual act and, and not because you're in a state Hmm. of mortal sin and are not very well disposed, but actually fasting from the Eucharist as a way to grow desire for the Eucharistic Lord. And I remember reading that and thinking, my goodness, I have never even considered not taking the Eucharist, even if I'm, you know, able to receive. So, but he's saying that in a state of grace to actually abstain from the Eucharist might be something to consider for the spiritually mature as a way to grow devotion and as a way to grow longing and grow desire for, for Jesus. And now with Corona, we can't receive the Eucharist, most of us, because mass mass obligations mm-hmm. and people are social distancing and isolating. So immediately my mind went to that text and that book because of what he says about, about abstaining from the Eucharist. And I thought, wow, even though I didn't really choose this, um, I'm going to enter into that um, sacrifice in my will 
as a way to grow mm-hmm. desire for the Eucharistic Lord. So I, I would recommend anybody who will kind of, especially those who are kind of scandalized or sad, very, very deeply sad about not receiving the sacraments, or maybe those who are a little bit scandalized by not being more sad about not receiving the sacraments, that, that, <laughs> that I highly, I will always recommend reading Pope Benedict, uh, Joseph Ratzinger. But I think in this time, of, of sorrow and difficulty, reading Behold the Pierced One would be my top recommendation. Mm. And that's actually strangely one of Pope Benedict's books I have not read. And now I'm excited to go hunt it down. Well yeah, I think it, I don't think it's one of his more popular ones, oh. but I think it's one of his, I think it's one of his better ones. Oh. I mean, I don't even know how to say that. All of his books are great. So yeah, okay, I don't know. <laughs> I always have to just get you know, account who I'm talking to and uh, recommend Pope Benedict because yeah, he, he, an introduction to Christianity is delightful if you're working on, say, your philosophy undergrad, like I was. Okay. Some introduction, yeah. not really. It's so deep. <laughs> no, that's all I could think the first time I picked it. I'm like, this isn't an intro, buddy, but okay, we'll read. And I, I, I love it, but yeah. Relative, right? Maybe an intro for, for him, but not for, exactly. not for me. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, I think we were talking about before the sh- uh, we started recording, uh, Joseph Pieper, the great German Thomistic theologian and philosopher. Uh, if, do you have any recommendations from his work that you would recommend for people in these times? I definitely would recommend it this time. I mean, I love many of Pieper's books, but I would recommend my favorite one of his, which is Leisure, the Basis of Culture. Yes. I think it's the perfect book right now when we have wonderful opportunity to enter into a true state of leisure and not just distracting ourselves. We can use this opportunity of social distancing to grow in closer intimacy with the Lord, which I I, I can't imagine that his will would be anything other than growing closer to him during this time and entering into true leisure uh, or we can just distract ourselves and cause ourselves anxiety. So I would definitely recommend it to culture. I think it's it's, it's, a, it's masterpiece. a masterpiece. One of the greatest books of the 20th century. Um, 100% agreed there, Michael. <laughs> yes. and, uh, it's especially fascinating for anyone who wonders about, uh, never heard of Pieper. He was, like we mentioned, German, and he wrote a lot of these books in post-war Germany. So the idea of trying to rebuild a war-torn Germany, and here's a philosopher talking about leisure, uh, that always, like for me, is just makes the book more fantastic for any potential crises while we think about these things. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, it, and I don't want anyone to be, sometimes I, I, you know, there are people that hear, hear these conversations and think, well, that's just great for you theology nerds. Like I'm not, a, mm-hmm. I'm just a, like a simple Catholic, but I really encourage you to not be intimidated by, by the text and cause people are difficult. Mm-hmm. I, I give you that, but I, I really encourage you to enter into it ever so slowly in a, in a leisurely way, like nursing a glass of wine and just, and, and consider, consider it. Absolutely. And going back to what we were talking about earlier, even if you're not fully read on like German, German philosophers or St. Thomas as Pieper is, you'll still get a lot out of reading him, I think, in my experience. Agree. Yeah. But on that subject, what is what does that term leisure mean? Leisure. What does it mean? Great question, because it's oftentimes misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Uh, it certainly doesn't mean entertainment or distraction or or that. Leisure. Leisure is a state of being. It's a. It's a an inner absence of preoccupation. Mm-hmm. 
I guess in the in the secular mindfulness wellness really yes. kind of world, right? Say that it is being in the present, which is actually a Christian thing, mm. but it, it, it is that lack of interior preoccupation and being at peace within yourself. And in the height of affirmation, I would say is an affirmation of of self. So um, yeah. We can. Do you want to get into a conversation about it? Because I do love. I do love talking about leisure. But yeah. Oh, I definitely. I think it's a fascinating. Like this is certainly something we need to think about while we're in these times of crises, where especially with the lack of festivity that's going to be going on. What does it mean to have this time, and how do we use it more effectively? So yeah, please go on. Yeah, I mean, I would. I would say for for first, firstly, for those who are listening, that might think of leisure as just like the fun stuff that we do. It isn't, isn't that, as I mentioned, it's not distraction or entertainment or just like fun activities. There are certain activities, however, that are done that can, that are conducive to fostering an Mm -hmm. interior disposition of leisure. So you can uh, meditate on, artwork you can listen to concert music you can do mm-hmm. those kind of noble loftier activities if you will that can be an expression of being leisure or foster leisure but at the end of the day leisure is that that interior peace and lack of preoccupation that allows you to face and enter into every circumstance from that place of of grounded and rootedness and being present to the reality of what's happening to you in your life here and now. And so Mm -hmm. that means that might mean in your household, not being on social media all the time, although I know we're all on social media right now and not wasting time on television, but maybe it means starting to paint, starting to listen to concert music, starting to do those things, Mm -hmm. which can, which can build up, and form who you are not just take yourself away from yourself or distract or escape but to 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 form yourself and to to yeah to form yourself mm-hmm. to be disposed to being present to reality and then ultimately that done leads into a prayerful disposition even if you're not technically praying so when the scriptures say pray without ceasing right we don't actually mean necessarily formally the scripture don't actually is doing formally praying without ceasing. Like you have to be praying, praying the rosary or the liturgy hours all the time. But that even when you're not praying, there is this interior awareness of the presence of God that you take into all the activities of the day that you are participating in. Yeah. I do encourage people. If this is the time you have, um, I, I put the right. links everywhere I can and I'll put some in all our podcasts, but take a minute to learn about these artists. It's a delightful way to especially see faith in an angle. I, like I keep icons and things like that. Cause sometimes they remind me something about my faith. I just never saw through that prism before. Mm, that's lovely. Yeah. And on Endow's uh, Instagram, every Sunday we're promoting Visio Divina, the divine scene where you can mm-hmm. pray with a uh, sacred art. So Ooh. it's kind of funny to, to have that on an Instagram page, but if they're going to be, if you're going to be on Instagram anyway, we might as well be putting sacred art on there and encouraging or encouraging those who see the sacred art on our Sundays. It's called Leisure Sundays, actually, that, that you can pray. Yeah, you can pray oh. with um, with the sacred art. So you can learn about um, 
so we're doing we're doing it based on Vatican art on the angels. So you can be exposed to mm. Vatican art, especially on angelic creatures, and then you can also pray with the with the peace. And I love what you said, Michael, about like this is just another way to enhance your spiritual life or make you think about something that you you otherwise wouldn't have come up on your own. So if anybody's on Instagram, consider taking a look at our at our Instagram handle on Sundays and checking out some sacred art. Yeah, get some sacred art in between all the wonderful cat pictures, because yeah. <laughs> uh, that's what it feels like for me right now. Uh, <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. I'd like to use that to transition to talk about Lectio Divina. I is that something you've uh, had experience with? And do you think this would be a good time to try to learn how to pray using Lexio Divina? You know, I hadn't thought about sharing that, Michael, but I'm really glad that you mentioned it because actually I love doing Lexio Divina in particular with my, with the members of my family. So uh, yeah, um, my sister and I started doing it um, together, but separate. So what we would do is, um, we would choose maybe the gospel of the day or some other passage of the scriptures. And then we would take 20 minutes to go through the, to pray Lexio Divina on our own silently. And then the last 10 minutes, we'd come back together and share mm-hmm. what our, our dialogue with Jesus went. So we kind of joke around and call it a twofer. But, you know, if you pray Lexio Divina, you're going to get spiritual fruits from that dialogue. But it, then I feel like I not only get my my prayer time and my spiritual fruits in and, and insights, but I also can hear that of my sisters. And of course, it's the same, you know, t- different people praying with the same scriptures. There's just so much richness and depth in the scriptures that I get a twofer. I get double, double the, um, double mm-hmm. the uh, spiritual nuggets, I like to call them. So I, I think for those who are really looking to grow in their love of the scriptures or reading of the scriptures, this is a great time to do so in a way with Lexio Divina. So you're not just reading, but you're praying with the scriptures, but also consider doing it with your family. So together, but separate where you, you get together, you choose, you know, whatever passage in the scriptures you want to pray with set a particular amount of time. You don't have to do 20 minutes, but that's usually what, what I like to do with my sister. And and then pray with it and then go around the circle in your family uh, or your friend group or whatever and just share what what the Lord uh, spoke to you uh, in that prayer time. And then I think it's really enriching and fruitful for the, the other people who are listening. That is fantastic. And uh, have you been able to do the, any type of groups? Excuse me. Have you been able to do any type of group spiritual work outside of your family as well? Yes. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been doing Zoom meetings with my my little Christian community every week. And this really helped us um, pray and intercede for each other because a lot of a lot of uh, my friend groups actually know a lot of people who who have the virus and some have passed away. And and -hmm. just make a judgment because because God's always doing something in our lives. He's the protagonist. Um, and so he's certainly mm. not doing anything less for here and now and, and probably doing more for us. So we want to help each other see what he's doing in our lives and make a judgment about our lives and make a judgment about the good that he's bringing out of this for us, because he promises us in scriptures that for those who love him, you know, he, he works for the good. 
And so we want to be able to build each other up and pray for each other and help each other. Um, look at that, look at reality and see what, what good, what, what good work is God doing in us, in our relationship with him and possibly in the world through this, you know, negative. Mm-hmm. I like what you said. Uh, your answer, you mentioned that God is the protagonist. Can you tell us a little bit about what you mean by that? Sure. It's, it's actually something, an idea that, well, it's a Christian idea, first of all, but I, I it's a that phrase, that phrase is, is uh, something I got from Father Luigi Giustani. So I don't know if you've any, read any Giustani, Michael, but he's, mm-hmm. uh, he's a great Catholic priest and writer and founder of the movement of communion liberation. But oh. he, he always spoke about Christ as the protagonist that it's not, it's not us who are, yes, we do seek and long and desire and yearn for God. But in fact, Christianity is God searching after man and that he's actually reaching out to me more than I'm reaching out to him. And I think, was it Fulton Jean or C.S. Lewis? Maybe it was C.S. Lewis who mm-hmm. said that God whispers to us in our pleasures, but screams to us in our pain. And, and, um, mm. and, and so he's, he's always trying to communicate something to us, but do we have the eyes and the ears uh, to see? And to hear I see. It. And it's also, Going back to what we were talking about with Pope Benedict, I think it was Deus Caritas asked, but my brain's not fully functioning right now. Uh, but just discussing that God's love is, in fact, a searching out for us. Yeah, it, it, yeah. Is that was that Deus Caritas? Yeah. I think so. I mean, I mean, that's. I think it must be because I think he he talks about the incarnation, right? That what what's what's taking more initiative? What's being more of a protagonist than God becoming man and being born as a baby on Christmas, right? So. So, man, mm-hmm. salvation history is marked by, you know, man searching for God in his varied ways. But then there's this definitive encounter, this event where God himself becomes one of us. So, uh, so that we may be. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it is in Deus Cartes. And we have an endowed study on that, on that uh, brilliant. I know. So women who are listening, we have an endowed study on Deus Caritas Est. If you want to dive deep into that. Yes, and that's a fantastic encyclical. Even I don't remember all of it right away, but that one was a very great comfort to me. So yeah, if you need to dive into Pope Benedict right now, I I, I can yeah. recommend that one as well. Yeah, that's it's one of my favorite. When I used to teach high school, I, I taught from it. I taught oh. from, from Deus Caritas Est because it just, even if we couldn't read the whole encyclical together, which would be a bit intense for high school, we would read parts of it and the kids were struck by it. Hmm. Uh, there are definitely lines that are in there. Yeah, we had a similar experience in our philosophy classes, so certainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now as we're uh, slowly heading towards the end, I want to ask, uh, we'll be putting out this podcast close to Easter. For anyone, especially if you're in an area where mass may not be happening around then, what's a way to really do the whole tritium at this point from your experience? Goodness. You mean apart from live streaming masses? I, I think, well, I, I'm a mm-hmm. Middle Eastern Christian, so we have certain traditions in the film that, um, mm-hmm. that are just have always been a part of our, our family culture. So I think on Good Friday, especially, especially to not have any, any kind of media on, um, we have yeah. a, um, an incenser. So we have Frank, I don't know, nobody, nobody can go out and buy it, but, um, right now, but, um, we would light uh, frankincense and a church incenser, uh, bake Easter bread that we wouldn't, of course, eat, eat till Easter. But there's just a way to be in the home. We have uh, any, any Middle Eastern Christians listening? I'm sure you know about Feirouz. Maybe, maybe I can, maybe Michael. But mm-hmm. there's these Good Friday songs 
that this Middle Eastern Christian singer sings that are just words of Mary crying and crying for Jesus. And so I think there are just yes. so many beautiful gestures and ways that people can really live this in a holy way and really feeling like even if we're not together on Easter, which is not looking likely that we can enter into this Holy Saturday, even among Easter, because every every Sunday and every day in the life of the Christian is an Easter. At the end of the day, coronavirus doesn't win. The deaths don't win. The sick don't win. But, but Jesus has conquered sin and death. And at the end of the day, reality is something positive, And that's our faith. Absolutely. And you brought up a little bit of nostalgia for me. When I lived in New Hampshire, I actually attended a Melkite church that was in my neighborhood. And I attended that one for nine years. So I know exactly what you're talking about and love it. Oh, yes. And the Melkites are live streaming. So if anybody wants to check out, maybe this is the Easter check out an Eastern Rite live stream mass. <laughs> yeah, I will absolutely be putting up resources for that. So check back to Catholic Exchange. But uh, for this, uh, I'm giving a recommendation to Simone, which I know is weird to do on a recording for a podcast, but also to all you listeners, if you can find any of your streaming services, Chapella Romana actually has reproduced a lot of the Byzantine and Middle Eastern songs that Christians would be singing about this time of year. And that is a great way to really, again, learn about your faith from another perspective. Oh, I love that. I will definitely be checking that out, too. Yeah, I'll put those links in. And so, Simona, as we wrap up, I wanted to ask a question I love to ask, especially people who have studied theology. What's on your reading list currently? What's on my reading list currently? Besides the rosary study for Endow. Yes. Oh, gosh, what isn't on my reading list? (laughs) (laughs) Good question. As as you know, I'm actually reading a book. This is kind of, you'll like this, Michael, I think. Um, It's a book written by a a Latin rite priest who spent a year in Egyptian uh, Coptic Orthodox monasteries. Mm. And so it's a book that he wrote about being, being a Latin rite Catholic priest staying at these ancient, ancient monasteries in Egypt wow. where, where monasticism first sprung up in the Eastern church and in the world. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, uh, that's what I'm reading right now. And a number of other, a number of other things. I don't know if we have time to get into it all, <laughs> but I, I know that, you know, um, what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, good. I, I was actually thinking while I was asking you that question, I looked over to my reading pile and that's not even including my Kindle. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. There's a lot to read. So. Lot to read. Yeah, that's great. That's great. <laughs> great. <laughs> and of course you have that rosary study of, you know, to address that really quickly for anyone who might be think, hearing about endow and really thinking okay you know maybe these kind of zoom meetings or doing group studies or even looking forward to gathering together in groups how can people learn more about it yes please please um email us at info at endowgroups.org or check out our websites um or find us on instagram if you're on instagram or facebook and message us and we will um help you uh join our zoom one or because you can join at any time but mm-hmm. um and then or start your own depending on where where we are historically with quarantining mm-hmm. but um like to if you'd like to learn more about and diving deeper into the theological inheritance of the church in a, in a group of in a community of women, I would love to talk to you more about that. Lovely. And I do absolutely encourage, obviously, Endow is 
a group for women and all my female friends who have been involved or have written, they love it. They do some great work. And I also encourage the men, you know, this is a time for all yeah. us to get together, check in on each other. So please also keep yeah. on the lookout. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. All right. And Simone, if anyone wanted to learn more about you and your great work, where can they go? Oh, please, please. Anybody who needs prayer or just theological resources or just wants to reach out to me for whatever random reason, um, you can check me out on my blog, culturalgypsy.com. Awesome. And we'll put links for all that, all the books we talked about and some of the art and music. I will make sure it's in our show notes. So wherever you're listening to this podcast, just look in the show notes. As I always ask you, please don't be driving while trying to use your phone, especially right now. And look for us there we'll be glad to get you all those links but simone thank you so much for coming on here sharing your wisdom it was awesome to be able to talk about joseph peeper for a little bit today 